Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of Demise. My name is John. That's Ian. Hello. We accidentally took a week off last week. Yeah, Sorry. more or less. Did like kind of semi unintentional, I guess. <laughs> it was one of those it was one of those times where Ian didn't message me about doing the podcast and I forgot to message Ian about doing the podcast and then I looked at my phone and it was like 9 p.m. and I was like, "Oops." And then it, well, we also had work stuff too. Yeah, it was well that you was a, that was had different. A, but you also had a crazy work week, though. It's like, hey, we should maybe just do this tomorrow. It's like, oh, well, I got to cover for somebody. And then, like, the next day didn't work. And then the next day didn't work. And then, oops, it's the weekend. Yeah. Who cares? We're here this week. We're here this with week a with a little bit 100. more insight. <laughs> yes. For episode 127, uh, Throne of Eldraine, part two. Uh, we're going to finish up talking about the Throne of Eldraine cards from previous season that excited us. Uh, we're going to pick up with the red cards um, and then move on through the lands and then then pick up with any other other cards that we may have missed since the last episode got previewed but also pre-release was this past weekend first big standard event is this weekend and by standard i mean it's scg philly which is team trios which ian's gonna be at hey i actually found a teammate uh i pre hey. do want to give a thank you to all you fine and lovely folks who might have listened and retweeted my team look or looking for group tweet um uh, i will be with john uh are their teammate Pete, who I was in the last SCG with, uh, unfortunately had to drop uh, out due to some unexpected life events cropping up. But uh, we picked up a third, and it is none other than my brother-in-law, Nick. <laughs> so hey. so uh, that'll be fun. Uh, already talked with John about it. We're cool with that. So yeah, uh, he'll be on the standard seat playing some flavor of aggro, I believe. Fantastic. It's week Man, one. After my own heart. It's week one. You play aggro. Well... Hopefully he's going to be sleeping up the first card we're going to be talking about today because this card is it was a little weird looking at this card the first time I saw it and thinking about well what is what I don't understand because having lived in a world with Goblin Chain Whirler I can't imagine any other three jobs I'd want to be playing other than just Goblin Chain Whirler but the first card we're talking about today is Bone Crusher Giant it is three two and a red for a four three giant at rare uh, whenever Bone Crusher Giant becomes the target of a spell. Bone Crusher Giant deals two damage to that spell's controller, so he does ding you for your pump spells. So probably not yeah, something shocking. that's going to go. That's probably not going to be something that's going to go into any like infected decks. Um, but there is no. the adventure side, which is Stomp for one in red. It's an instant adventure. As a reminder, you cast the adventure, you exile the card, and then you can cast the creature side later. Uh, Stomp says damage can't be prevented this turn, and then Stomp deals two damage to any target. So it's a so slightly more expensive shock with a little yeah, with a I, nice rider yeah i actually have played with this card not at the pre-release um because on arena they had it's gone now but they had their uh play any standard deck you want and they gave you 12 games to play standard um yeah. i shuffled up uh or digitally shuffled up uh phoenix again and the old girl still got legs on her let's put it that way Good. uh this one slotted in decently we did lose stuff like we'll talk about another card in a couple things here uh maybe right after this one we can just lead right into it sure. but uh coupled with goblin electromancer that's just a damage camp it's a skull crush or a, a skull crack shock right there yeah um yeah it does some work i have definitely cast one or two of these bad boys off to get some phoenixes back out and then the next turn also had enough or the same turn had enough mana to cast bone crusher giant and put a four three on the battlefield so having something like a goblin electromancer out and then being able to go like shock you opt stomp you 
get three Phoenix, swing for nine, put a four, three on the battlefield for three with just having six mana. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure that the other card you were talking about, just so we can immediately segue in is merchant of the veil. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a slightly, so, and what does, what does merchant do? It's a slightly powered down, uh, rummager but okay so we got merchant the veil two and a red creature human peasant that's a two three at common that had that reads pay two and a red and discard a card draw a card so it rummages for two and a red notable but, it is a repeated rummager because a lot of our rummaging effects require you to tap yes, this guy you can just pay yeah. mana to keep going yeah uh but he also has a spell on him because he's an adventure card haggle one red so it's just a red pip instant adventure you may draw a card, or you may discard a card if you do draw a card. So you just get to rummage for red. Uh, I have also haggled in to rummage away an extra land into an opt, or rummaged away a phoenix into an opt into a shock. And oops, there's a phoenix. Got it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> done that a couple times. And yeah, the card is just straight up dece. Uh, two three body for three. Not the greatest stats in the world, but uh, it is a body that you're not just throwing away you know a rummage it's way less powerful than stuff like uh, faithless looting but yeah i yeah. mean people were joking that merchant of the veil was printed because they banned faithless looting and for anyone who understands how wizards makes cards heck merchant of the veil was probably finalized at least three to six months before uh they decided to ban faithless looting in modern so Honestly, I feel like the rumblings of, hey, maybe Faithless Looting should be banned were starting maybe around the time that Merchant of the Veil was getting finalized. So Sure. Well, no, no. But I'm just saying like it's not something that you would, you know, obviously be getting that kind of yeah. thing in for. So true, But true. Merchant of the Veil is pretty good. Um compared with Bone Crusher Giant, been doing some work in standard. I think I am I talking about any more cards? Yeah, one or two more cards later on. I'll talk about standard, but it's a planeswalker, so yeah. we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to the, we'll get to all three of the planeswalkers in the gold section. We still got two more colors to get through. Speaking of, I understand this card is a beating and limited, but it looks I really have cool. seen it do work on the other side or across the table, not on my it, side, or I should say diagonally across the table. <laughs> it is Embercleave, four red, red for a legendary artifact equipment. It has flash. Uh, this spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature you control. When when it enters the battlefield, you attach it to target creature you control. The equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. It has double strike and trample, and it has an equipped cost of three. That is a lot. Yeah, it's... If you had a... I saw it mainly in people who are running some sort of red-black or red-white. Even saw somebody with a red-green deck um, at my pre-release on Friday night. It seems Friday insane night. in red-green with, with, like, big dumb fatties. Heck, even, like, and just go wide with some of, like, these things that create tokens in, like, red-white, you know? Yeah. It's just... It's gross. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this is going to make it into standard, you know, but you never know. But the next hey, card... This is, de this is definitely something that people will play with in, like, legendary yeah. artifact kind of decks if they're like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, this card, however, will see standard play. Um, and depending on how things break, I could even see it getting into older formats, although that's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, this is also the first of the resurgence of uh, what people called invitational cards. Uh, back in the day, they had the Magic Invitational where people were invited, and if you won... You got to design and have your likeness put on a magic card. Notable version. This notable, one's just getting. This one's just getting the likeness, though. Just getting the likeness. I don't think Javier Dominguez, the last world champion, had any input on the card. Uh, but previous and invitational yeah. cards were, you know, uh, Shadow Mage Infiltrator for John Finkel, um, uh, Sylvan Safekeeper. I, it, it's not Ulrada. It's um, 
it is a Swedish Magic Pro. Um, Dark Confidant is Bob Marr, uh, and so on. Uh, Fervent Champion has Javier Dominguez's likeness. Fervent Champion just, is a. Can I just say that I finally realized that like the trophy he's holding looks like the World Champion trophy, or the the sword he's holding looks like the World Champion trophy as his hilt. I just noticed that. I I just noticed that too. Now that you bring it up, wow, it's pretty cool. N- nice touch. There, anyway, Steve continue on. Uh, Fervent Champion is a one-one human knight at rare. He's got first strike and haste. Uh, whenever Fervent Champion attacks, another target attacking knight you control gets plus one plus zero until end of turn. And then this is the big, this is the big juice. This is the big, you know, the reason why to play this card. Um, like, you know, one mana, one, one, first strike, haste, whatever, pump another knight, whatever. Equip abilities you activate that target Fervent Champion costs three less to activate. Yeah, it's, that's it's definitely interesting. Um, whether or not we'll see equipment in standard, who knows, but this has absolutely taken over the one mana, one drop, or one, one mana, one, one, haste creature. Yeah. Uh, du jour for standard. Plus, it's got first strike, so good luck chumping off with one, one tokens, because it'll just yeah. eat it. Um, and if you have, which like, is actually kind of nice. If you have a start where you get to go, you know, turn one Fervent Champion, attack for one. Next turn, play a second Fervent Champion. You're now suddenly attacking for four uh, because they pump each other. Oh, That's yeah, big. it's it's um, pretty ridiculous. Like Now, the reason why I think that this card might, you know, be, like, playable in older formats, um, I'm thinking specifically modern, maybe legacy. I'm considering this for cube because all the swords have an equip cost of three or equip cost of two. They're suddenly equipped for zero to Fervent Champion. So you can go turn one Fervent Champion swing. Next turn you attack again or whatever. Turn three, play sword, equip immediately, attack for four, or attack for, you know, three, three, three first strike. You have to ch- you're gonna have to chump block it because there's very few creatures that you're gonna have in play that can that can block it favorably at that turn in the game. Unless you're playing like yeah. green and you've got a thrun into play. Uh, and suddenly this Fervent Champion is a real threat. So Yeah, it's it's pretty gross what this could potentially do. Um, we'll see if it does do anything. So yeah, um, this card was not on our list, I don't believe, but I think that we would be um, remiss if we didn't talk about Fires of Invention. Um, oh God, yeah, that card's gonna be doing some weird stuff. So we've had a couple of seasons now where we've had these like four mana red enchantments or four mana artifacts that do kind of weird things with casting, you know. We still have Experimental Frenzy in Standard for a little while longer, but now we've got Fires of Invention. Three and a red, rare enchantment. You can cast spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. You may cast spells with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana costs. So, there's a lot going on here. It limits you from what you're able to do, which is very, very smart, because just being able to cast free things is you know, not what we want. You mean, Omniscience costs 10 mana for a reason. Um, but the most broken thing I've heard someone talk about for Fires of Invention was on a CFB uh, video of the bandwagon with Matt Nass and LSV, where Matt Nass said, you can play Fires of Invention in Modern, put it into taking turns, so you're like, your turn four is Fires of Invention, then you cast uh, Savor the Moment for free, which Savor the Moment is from Shadowmoor, it's one blue-blue sorcery, you take an extra turn after this one, you skip your untap step, but that doesn't matter if you have Fires of Invention, because you're going to cast the things for free, untap, play a land, play a Jace, play a Time Warp, and then you're off to the races. It is ridiculous how crazy that is. Yeah, one of the things, too, is I'm just looking at Scryfall right now for the sets and everything, right? Yeah. Uh, there's Iron Crag Feet, one triple red sorcery. These are, I'm going off the thing. One triple red sorcery, add seven red mana tier 
Manipul, you may cast this only one more spell this turn. Oh, hey, look, I just cast this one for free, and I can only cast two spells a turn. What am I going to cast next? Oh, let me cast Sundering Stroke, six in a red, sorcery at rare. Sundering Stroke deals seven damage divided as you choose among one, two, or three targets. If at least seven red mana was spent to cast this spell, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You just got seven red mana for free off your last spell. You just dump it in this, and instead it deals damage to each of those permanents and or players. You can choose up to three, like three full targets to deal seven damage to. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of, uh, there's a couple for of built-in free. combos. Yeah, there's a, lot, a couple of built-in combos into the set, so. Um, yeah. We're going to stick a Torbran, which is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, there's so many weird things you can do with this card. It's ridiculous. Um, But yeah, let's talk yeah. about the next little dude. Yeah, the next dude is um something that we probably would have expected in a fairy tale set or a Camelot set, although I don't think he's technically fits in either of those categories. Um neatly, people, but close people enough. were people were saying basically he's folklore, so that kind yeah, of close fits enough. into the fairy tale ish aspect of yeah. it, stretching. Yeah, so Ian, what does Robber of the Rich do? It's Robber the Rich is a bear, but it's a strictly better bear. It's a one in a red, two, two, creature, human, archer, rogue, at mythics. You know you're getting a lot of words, and here we go. It's got reach. It's got haste. Mm -hmm. Whenever Robber the Rich attacks, if defending player has more cards in hand than you, exile the top card of their library. During any turn you attacked with a rogue, you may cast that card. And you may spend mana as though it were any mana, or as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. Yeah. He just gets in there and uh, Robin Hood steals your stuff. Yeah. It's a very aggressive body. 2-2 with reach and haste is a little awkward. You know, but reach is probably going to be important in standard at some point. You're going to have to block. Uh, blocks one on flying tokens uh, pretty well. Brazen, I don't think we've got many of those running around. Brazen Borrower is a 3-1. Mm-hmm. Blocks there. Um, no, everyone's like, oh, why is that reach? It's the weirdest thing they have. It's an archer. It can shoot arrows in the air. It's, yeah, it's Robin Hood. He You can climb and all that other stuff. This It makes total sense. It's flavor. It's great. I like it. He's also yeah. seen playing that red aggro deck. Um, it's a yeah, hasty two mana bear with yeah, reach as an upside. And hey, look, if you happen to draw, like, yeah, granted, if it gets killed off like a turn or two afterwards, you don't get to, because then you're going to slam this on two, swing for two, exile top card. Okay, it's just going to sit in exile. But then at any other point, if you draw another robber of the rich, it's not legendary. You can slam another one, attack with it. Yep. And, or you just let it sit for a turn and do your thing or whatever you want to do. You can just end up get turning some real value off of it. I honestly have I have not searched to see what other rogues are in the set or in standard right now, but who knows? Well, the next card is one that I uh, am really excited for, uh, which is Slaying Fire. It is one, two and a red for an instant and uncommon. This is also one of the FNM promos. It deals three damage to any target. Well, that's a little below rate, but it's got the keyword or the ability word adamant. Uh, if at least three red mana was spent to cast this spell, it deals four damage instead. So what you're telling me is that, you know, this uh, this card is a strictly better char if I'm able to um, make it so that I have multiple, um, a lot of red mana or playing a strictly mono red deck. This could even see play in modern potentially, just yeah. FYI. Yeah, you're, you're going to want to jam that in a mono red deck only. Yeah. Oh. Also, uh, on the last card, I did a quick search. I did. There too. are <laughs> thirty-one cards with with these uh, subtype rogue in them. Yeah. Uh, for you kids at home, uh, audacious thief, blade juggler, brazen borrower, that fairy rogue I was talking about. That's also a rogue. 
uh, very miscreant, very duelist, uh, demure informant, apparently human rogue. Didn't know. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Goblin smuggler, a three drop red two, two with haste. Another target creature with power two or less can't be blocked this turn. That's also seeing playing those red decks. It's a rogue. Hackrobat. Yeah. Um, Night Veil Sprite, the when attacks or veil one. Like, there's a a lot more than in standard than I thought there was. My God. Oh, Whisper Agent, even. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That, yeah. There's a there's a rogue deck out there. A um Ten Street Dodger, red one one haste. Uh Ten Street Dodger can't be blocked this turn except by creatures with defender. But yeah. So there's a number of rogues. I don't know if that's a good idea, but you never know. I mean, it's just there's incidental value out there to be had if you're so choosing to find it. So there is. There is. All right. Uh, next card. Uh, we're going to move on to green, green cards. Uh, I, actually, Ian. I actually, so I pulled up the uh, the special border frame for this one accidentally at yeah. Scryfall and I actually opened this one. Hey. It's a Beanstalk Giant. It's a six Self-up in a green giant. star star at Uncommon. Creature Giant. Uh, Beanstalk Giant's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. So star equaling lands you control. Uh, it has, what is this? Uh, rampant growth uh yes yeah, fertile fertile, fertile footsteps. footsteps essentially rampant growth two and a green sorcery adventure search your library for a basic land card put it onto the battlefield then shuffle your library that's right it says put it onto the battlefield not tapped it's pretty good oh, i didn't notice that that's super that is pretty yeah good. it's pretty good it's actually a uh into the ashes so it was into the ashes or um or no not into the ashes from the ashes the oh, from dominaria yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah, 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 this is a this is a good example of an adventure card that kind of feeds itself. Um, yeah, the ones that like help because that puts you from th- at least three to five mana. So you're passing that for three on turn three. It, you're hoping you have your fourth land drop in hand, but this is technically your fifth land drop, which that puts you one turn quicker towards your next Beanstalk Giant. Yeah, or at least casting, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. and you're probably playing way more ways ways to ramp because I believe there's a ramp deck in standard that people were fiddling around with oh yeah we we got gift of paradise still there's a lot of ways to make a lot of mana yeah so speaking of ramping yeah let's move on to the goose the goose is loose let's actually talk about that one let's skip this one skip the one we have and let's go to goose because yes it's ramp uh it's a bird you always bolt the bird right but it's gilded goose it's a green for an o2 bird at rare it's got flying when gilded goose enters the battlefield create a food token uh you can pay one in a green to tap gilded goose and create a food token hey look it's making golden eggs just saying um but and you can also tap and sacrifice a food so you tap the gilded goose and then sack a food add one mana of any color uh so it's a little more work to get birds of paradise but you essentially get one it's kind of you need a little more work to get your second mana off of the bird of paradise effect but Say you put Gilded Goose down, your opponent goes Shocker Gilded Goose. You still have at least a food token, which is, yep. you know, pay two, gain three life. Still sitting there. So if you can chain multiple gooses and you can get multiple value out of it, even if they shock away one of them, it's mm-hmm. still interesting. And there is a food deck out there. You pair this with Oko. Turn two Oko is pretty nutso. That's, yeah, that sounds accurate. <laughs> sounds it's, accurate. It's a, and Oko pluses to five to make another food so you can cast, you know. So you can keep tapping the bird to make mana. Yeah, and it get all those Oko bells. Gets, Oko gets out of range real quick if it's on turn two and not answered. Yeah. We'll get to Oko but, in a little bit. Um, yeah, next card I think we want to talk about. We haven't gotten to this. This one's not on the list. 
Uh, it's the Great Henge. Uh, seven green oh. green for. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Or like, seven, oh, yeah. 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 This one. Yeah. Seven green green for a legendary mythic artifact. Uh, this spell costs X la- X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So it's a kind of like a Galta-esque effect, except it doesn't count all your creatures, just your biggest one. You can tap the Great Henge to add green-green, and you gain two life, which is a pretty big game there. Yep. And then, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus-one, plus-one counter on it and draw a card. Yeah, it This helps. is an engine. If you get some big... there's like There was a Giants deck, I think, that was people were messing with that lets you like get this out on like turn three and just start making gigantic giants. It's, I can see that. It's ridiculous or something like that. I mean, heck, you could even like chunk down a, uh, you can go turn one heart's desire, create a one, one human creature and then love struck beast on turn three and then play this on turn four easily. Yeah. Now, speaking of love struck beast, um, this is obviously the beauty and the beast. Uh, Ian, what does the beast say? So, Lovestruck Beast is a two and a green uh, beast noble at rare. Lovestruck Beast can't attack unless you control a 1-1 creature. It's a 5-5. Five five, and it also has Heart's Desire, which is a green inst- or sorcery adventure. Create a 1-1 one one white human creature token. So, you get the bell with the beast, which gives you 6 power, and t- six power but it doesn't matter because it's the greatest. So, you still get 5, so you can cast Great Henge with a mana reduction of 5 instead of 9, and then that makes it 4, so you can go... Yeah, it's gross. You can go, like, Heart's Desire into, like, a 2-mana spell, into Lovestruck Beast on 3, into Great Henge on 4, and tap 2 more mana and put something else out, and it's just... It snowballs quickly. So I'm interested in Lovestruck Beast for cube because a lot of the mana dorks are 1-1s. So you can go turn 1 Elvish Mystic, turn 2 Lovestruck Beast, and then you just want to attack with it. Uh, one thing that is true about Lovestruck Beast, he is really bad with anthems. <laughs> Do not play Lovestruck Beast in your glorious anthem deck. Oh, yeah. Go makes all well. your ones, yeah, it literally can't do anything. It just blocks. Yeah. Sits there. Yep. You'll have you'll have a bunch of two twos, but you'll have a six six blocker <laughs> that can't attack. Oh, so yeah. but be mindful of that. I which is why Lovestruck Beast is a very interesting card to me. Um uh, the next card that's after Lovestruck Beast. Uh, is a card that uh well there's two cards one of, I'll talk about the the uncommon first yeah which is once and future which is clearly a reference to once and future king and I think the art kind of shows that as well it is three and a green for a uncommon instant uh, ret- it says return target card from your graveyard to your hand then put up to one other target card from your graveyard on top of your library exile once and future they don't want you reusing and looping this types of effects but yeah, this also has bad. adamant this also has adamant. If you have, if you at least three green mana was spent to cast the spell, instead return those cards to your hand and exile once in future. This is probably one of the cheapest uh, restock effects that we've seen. Restock is three green green sorcery, uh, return two cards from your graveyard to your hand, exile restock. This is not only an instant, but one mana cheaper, and it's. I think it's very very powerful, and I'm really interested. Like I'm interested to put this into cube. Just because getting that getting the adamant doesn't seem that that hard, and I think that this is a card that is going to be very very good and limited. I think, and I'm interested to see how good it is in in other formats. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I think um, I, I do appreciate the adamant usage here uh, to kind of just juice it up a little bit more. 
Because um, also, like in older formats, let's like let's say that you're playing in, in a commander game with miracles. Maybe you don't want to spend all all you know three green mana on it, so you can put like a you know terminus on top of your deck or a temporal mastery that you discarded on top of your deck or whatever or what have you. Yeah, you know, there's so, there's ways think, where there's ways where you wouldn't want to cast adamant with it, but the fact that you have the option to just basically because if you think about it, this replaces itself directly once and then delays the return of another card. This with adamant basically draws you two cards that have already been expended from your graveyard. Yeah, uh, the next card we're going to talk about is one that had a lot of people up in arms when they first saw it. Uh, I'm, I haven't seen it, I haven't seen it played yet, so I'm unsure exactly, no, it's like, I saw it played in the, um, in the play with all cards in standard format, and I wasn't sold on it in standard. Someone hard uh, casted against formats, me. <laughs> in older formats, they're a little bit, it seems a little bit more degenerate, but even then I'm not sold. Uh, the card is Once Upon a Time. It is one in a green for a rare instant. It says, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or a land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Now, every fairy tale tends to start with Once Upon a Time. So it would, it would only be poetic if it did something if it was the first spell you cast. Well, if this spell is the first spell you've cast this game, you may cast it without paying the mana cost. So your first Once Upon it, a Time is free as long as it's the first spell you cast. Yeah, it's pretty gross in that case. Um, like I said, I had an opponent cast it against me twice. They had to hard cast it uh, in limited... I mean, in limited, that's still not bad. You're still looking at the top five no. cards for a creature or a land. Um, and if, you know, you're casting this on turn two and you need that third land drop, score. Or if you're casting this on turn five and you need that, like, creature to shore up your board, cool, great. Um, is it busted? Could be. London Mulligan helps it out a lot, that's for sure. London Mulligan does help out a ton, but it, I, I'm not sold on this being, like, the world breaker, the world changer that it's that they're that people are describing it as yeah exactly but i'll put it this way right you got you keep a you go you keep a you you mull you ship back a seven right and you're mulling down to six but it's london mulls you'll get seven cards you have a seven card hand with one land and everything else is two mana spells and you got once upon mm -hmm. a time in your hand you better believe i'm keeping that six with this in it yeah fair fair like, because then you just literally go, okay, once upon a time, right off the bat, look for a creature or like or that sec. So it's even better if you're on the draw because you get that draw step. You say, like, okay, I drew my second land. I have a bunch of two drops. Cool. I'll just look at once upon a time to, you know, grab the best card in the top five. It's yeah. pretty. Alternatively, you can cast it on their turn if you know exactly what you're looking for. It's uh, it's one of those cards that I think is very, that the first one is very, very good. It's just that, you know, whether or not you want to cast the ones later down the line. Yeah, the first comes. hit is free. <laughs> exactly. Um, one other thing about Once Upon a Time is that people were thinking about putting it into Tron. And I'm like, I don't know, because sure, digging five deep is usually good enough. But and it would and it, they, people admit it requires a re kind of assessing of what the threats of for Tron are. Um, but it, I'm just in, I just don't know. It's very very good. Don't get me wrong. It's just that I'm not as excited about it as other people. They'll still go. They'll still rather want to play ancient stirrings over this one for sure. Like yes. absolutely want to play ancient stirrings over this one. Yes. Uh, next card is has a lot of words on it. So Ian, uh, what does questing beast say? <laughs> you jerk. Um, I'll, I'll tell what it does, and I'll actually give some in-game uh things of how I've seen this do some work. So, uh, Questing Beast is a two green green legendary creature beast at Mythic. It's a 4-4. Four, four. So, it's a 4-4 four, for four, 4. Passes the vanilla test. All right. Yeah. But, 
It's got <gasps> Vigilance, Death Tusk, Hate. Uh, it also can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. No chump blocks here, kids. Uh, combat damage that will be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. So nice try there. Uh, I guess protection from X spells. Uh, yeah, I guess it gets around protection. Uh, it's dare to basically say F you fog. <laughs> um, that too. Which basically is not a deck anymore. But anyway, whenever questing beast deals da combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target planeswalker that player controls. Oof. So it hits the opponent for four and then deals four damage to a planeswalker. I have, yep. I have seen this creature do work. Uh, so I was testing with Pete before he uh, has unfortunate circumstances crop up. And he was testing an Abzan deck and a green-black mid-range deck. And this was a key piece in it. And my god, this card does some damage. <laughs> Opponent, like, attacked on turn three, like, leaving no blockers. And we just go questing beast, bash you, kill your planeswalker, get wrecked. Yep. Definitely there to help kind of keep the, um, keep kind of the, some of the stuff from that down a little bit. Yeah, and it's also or interesting, keep, like, the, too, it, the art has multiple heads and stuff like that. So, yep. like, it's kind of like one head snapping at the player and the other head snapping at the planeswalker to kill yep. it. It is, it is really, really cool. I'm really excited to see how it does. I'm, it's also a card that I'm considering for my cube anyways, so. I would say that's but, a, it's a solid card for mid-range mid and cube. Yeah. Uh, next card is one that has a lot of, had a couple people up in arms before, before we kind of have gotten into people playing the standard on Arena and on Magic Online, is Wildborn Preserver. It is one in a green for a 2-2 Elf Archer at rare with flash and reach. And whenever another non-human creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay X. When you do, put X plus plus counters on Wildborn Preserver. Uh, this is going to be a key piece if the blue-green flash deck uh, kind of fully emerges and becomes kind of a bane of standard existence, as it were. Uh, because just being able to, you know, play this on two, then untap, say go... If you play another one on turn three, you can pump one mana into it, make it a three-three. And if you're just playing all in your opponent's turn, that's a that's hell for a control deck. It's very hard for other decks to be able to deal with it because they don't know what you might have. Um, it's just a very powerful card and very efficient. Yeah, uh, the flash decks are just something people are still testing the waters with. I think we'll see after this weekend how well it kind of plays out. Um, the yep. removal is definitely a, a little bit different from what we're used to um there's yes. no straight up conditional exile like vraska's uh vraska's contempt yeah. yeah vraska's contempt is gone a lot of removal spells i see these days are basically cmc or damage based so mm -hmm. better hope you have the cmc based one because this will quickly outpace your uh damage based yeah, if you don't deal absolutely. with it like right away yeah absolutely uh next card is a card that blue black mages are going to be very excited about uh, it is Drown in the Lock. Uh, Ian, what does Drown in the Lock do? Uh, it's it's a blue and a black, two mana sorcery. So two mana sorcery or two mana instant, I should say, not sorcery. Two mana instant at uncommon. Choose one counter target spell with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. So looking at how much is in your opponent's yard. Uh, and also, or you can destroy target creature with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. This is the Mill Mage's new best friend. <laughs> yep. Mill gets a modal counterspell. This is dumb. And it's not even just a counterspell because, like, if something sticks through your counters, then you can just drown in the locket later to destroy it if it's a creature. Otherwise, it can deal with anything on the stack, and it's only two mana. Uh, I think that this is going to see a much better home in modern 
where graveyards get filled pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if it'll get reached back enough to Legacy, because Legacy already has things like Force of Will, Days, and stuff like that. But I think that in modern, like an Esper control deck, playing like one or two copies of Drown in the Lock, especially for like the mirror, or you're playing in a blue, you're playing in like a control mirror match, your opponent's gonna be like Serum Visions, Opt, Crack to Fetch, Crack a Fetch, Serum Visions, Cryptic Commander thing, Fetch. Then selling this Drown in the Lock just gets better and better. Who plays Cryptic Command anymore? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm kidding. People still do. I get it. I'm just, I'm just abstractly commenting on the fact that one of the best counter spells that ever existed in modern is just really like not worth playing anymore. Uh, blue white control is still pretty decent, but you know, it is, it's not, it's, it's not mana, the, uh, it's a four mana spell. <laughs> it is a four mana spell. There's, there's way have, more broken no things happening these days. So yeah. Yes. Um, this is a card that I'm really excited about. Yeah. It is Garrick cursed huntsman. Oh, uh, so I decide this is one I have seen in play and yeah, homie does work. Continue. Yeah. Uh, I've been calling him the Elspeth Suns Champion 2.0 because there's a lot of similarities between Hunt, the Cursed Huntsman and Suns Champion. Yes. Uh, Garrick is four green black for a five loyalty legendary planeswalker Garrick at Mythic. Um, so Elspeth came in at, I think, four loyalty, ticked up to five. Garrick comes in at five, does not have a plus one, does have a zero. This says create two black and green wolf creature tokens with when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control. Those, those are two twos, so, by the way. Yeah, they're two twos. Uh, and if you have, uh, so if you're playing in a format with multiple Garricks, then you get to pump all your Garricks, which is pretty sweet. Um, in standard, though, this is very similar to Elspeth Sun's champion plus one of make three one ones, because now your, your opponents are disincentivized to attacking you and you have a lot of chump blockers. And even then, these two twos, when they die, they make they pump up Garrick's loyalty which is going to make him harder to kill, which actively works against your plan of trying to get rid of Garrick. Yeah, just so uh, Garrick has a... Oh, never mind. Just in a, as an aside, there are six Garrick Planeswalkers. Yeah. Uh, Garrick's minus three is destroy target creature or draw a card. Now, this is very different from Elspeth Sun's champion minus three, which is um, destroy all creatures with power four or greater. Um, but, you know, killing a, a threat and getting a new card is, I think, roughly the same as getting rid of all big things. So that makes sense to me yep. for the most part. And if you're in a pinch, you could, like, destroy one of your wolves to draw a card, and then Garrick only goes down to three loyalty instead of two loyalty. And then Garrick's ultimate is minus six. You get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus three, plus three, and have trample. Very similar to Elspeth's ultimate of your creatures get plus two, plus two, and flying. Um, because, again, yeah. Garrick's making two twos, so making them five fives and trample is functionally the same as Elspeth's ultimate, where she was making one ones, and then making them three threes with flying. That's just overrun, very right? similar. Three three trample? Yes, that's just overrun. And you, you just have a permanent overrun. Yeah. And keep in mind, uh, if you happen to have... So you, you play him, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've seen him come out on turn five, or actually four, with some mana dorks we had out. There's some yeah. interesting work we were doing. Uh, basically, create the two wolves, chump them off, goes to seven. Next turn, pop them down. To sit, pop them down. Still has some chumpers out there. Everything's bigger. And you just start pumping more dogs out, and it's yeah. it gets it snowballs. Garrick is. I don't think I remember Pete losing a game where he had Garrick Resolve. Yeah, uh, Garrick is also some a card that I'm like slam dunking into my cube. Sorry, Vraska the the Vraska the Unseen. Sorry, Vraska Relic Seeker. Big G is here, and he means business. Oh, Vraska paired um, up with a uh, the the one from. The four man of Vraska, Golgari Queen. Yeah, Golgari Queen. Uh, they are good. Friends. Yeah. Oh, that's good that's good. Yeah, plus oh. two, like, play Garrick, zero Garrick, make the wolves, plus two Vraska, sack a wolf, draw a card, 
gain a life, pump up your Garrick. Yeah, I can see where this is. I can see how this can get pretty. So I nasty. said, so I said, that I've seen him play on four mana. How that happened was uh, <clears throat> Nissa, who shakes the world. Uh, we got ah uh, yes, we got a Nissa on turn four thanks to a Golden Goose, and all forests tap for double green, uh, which let us cast Garrick a turn early. Um, the next turn. Yeah. Oh, here's a fun tip for you standard players out there, right? If you're playing a deck that has the Scry Temples and Nissa Who Shakes the World, play your temples first. Yeah. Because she pluses to untap it. <laughs> yeah. It's so dumb. Yeah. Like I had to I had to remind Pete like three times, like play your play your no, no stop, 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 stop. Play your play your uh play your Scryland first. Like, why? I'm like, because you'll untap it. It's like, oh, right. And it becomes a three three. Yeah. And it becomes a three-three vigilance, which is you know nothing, which is not insignificant. Because and if you had a land that's already out, and it gives it haste too, so you can just play your scry land, scry, untap it, swing for three, and then tap it for mana. Yeah, it's so broken. It's very very strong. Yeah, mid range is fun. Uh, anyway, next one. Let's talk about some yeah, uh, next one. More gold cards. Yeah, gold cards. This is a card that I'm really interested to see because we just had a couple of two mana lords rotating out. You know between. Um, the blue green merfolk, misbinder merfolk, misbinder merfolk, and the um, vampire, um, the two mana lords. We now have another two mana lord in standard, inspiring veteran, red and a white for a two two human knight at uncommon. Your other knights get plus one plus one. It's plain, simple, to the point, decent. Um, my mana base, I ran white black knights in my pre-release. I didn't have the fixing to run Mardu. I had inspiring veteran. Um. Would have been yeah. good if I could cast it, but I didn't have the <laughs> Night Triland, so didn't yep. didn't bother with red. Yeah, Inspiring Veteran is, Veteran is also one of the F and M cards. Uh, this leads me to believe that that Wizards of the Coast really wants a Night deck to exist in in, mod, in standard um, because Whether they would put a two mana we'll lord. See. Yeah, we'll see. It's a two mana lord. It's very it's very very strong. It's priced to move, but we'll see. Uh, speaking yeah, of wow. other blue black cards, Ian, because I know you like to play the control game at some point. Look, my dude. I actually had one of these in my pool and was trying to see if I could stretch my mana base to cast it. I couldn't, Ooh. but I would have because Lockmare Serpent is a four blue and a black seven seven creature serpent rare with flash. You know how I like them big control, big big splashy control finishers with flash. Right? I miss TGH. Yeah. So, oh, uh, Pearl Lake Ancient. Mm. 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 Anyway, anyways, uh, this reads. It's not just a seven seven with flash, but it reads blue. And Sacken Island, Lockmere Serpent can't be blocked this turn. So hey, look, you, you start flooding out as a control deck. You slam this bad boy and just start swinging to town, and it can't be blocked. Ends game yeah. quickly. Uh, then does. you can pay pay black sack a swamp. You gain one life, draw a card. So hey, uh, very very squarely in black's uh, color pie, sacrificing something to gain a little bit of card draw on life. And then you can also do blue-black, exile five target cards from an opponent's graveyard. So this is very good with the, the mill deck in a, a draft, by the way. So you return yeah. Lockmere Serpent from graveyard to your hand. So it's a recurrable threat if you've stalled the game long enough to dump a lot of stuff in your opponent's graveyard. And you get to exile cards from your opponent's graveyard because, let me tell you what, in Limited, there are a lot of ways to recur creature threats. Like, there's lands yeah. that recur creatures. There's, I saw yeah. my opponent cast that, uh, oh god, what's the black card that you put num any number of target creatures from your graveyard on top of your library? Oh, it's the, um, it's, hold on, I remember, it's I know what it is. It's gross because my opponent, and then you draw a card off of it too, which is the craziest part. Forever Young. Yeah, Forever Young. 
Um, we we had gotten to the point where I was literally counting cards. My opponent was like nine cards in their library, and I was at like twelve. And then they cast Forever Young and put eight cards on top of their library, and I'm like, well, they're just drawing gas literally for the next eight turns, and I'm going to lose because I I counted yeah. it out, and like at that point of those twelve cards, half of them were lands. And my opponent was literally just drawing nothing but gas for the rest of the game. So, Oof. yep. But anyway, return it from your graveyard to your hand. Activate the ability anytime you cast a sorcery. Solid control finisher. We'll see if Esper or Blue Black X control is a thing. People, I think we're looking to go towards Grixis because of the yeah, mana base. Yeah, I see that. Because um, we have yeah. red, blue. I don't know. We'll see. Um, definitely a hilarious card if you wanted to do the mill deck in limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, standard. Who knows? We'll see. But it's big, it's splashy, it's a control finisher. I love it. And then also, uh, we learned that Wizards of the Coast uh, is a fan of South Park, because not only is this the Loch Ness Monster, but if you count up the number of words, there are 50 words, there are three activated abilities, a.k.a. Uh, John, Fitty. I'm going yep. to need about Tree Fitty. <laughs> God damn it, Nessie. Anyways. It's the, God, uh, it's we... the God dang Loch Ness Monster. Anyways, let's move on to, uh, we mentioned it before, Oko, Thief of Crowns. Uh, three mana planeswalker, and what what have we said about three mana planeswalkers, Ian? Oko, bane of standard. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> they always see play, even the bad ones. Now, granted, we had a couple in War of the Spark that were uncommon that I haven't seen play. They are they're kind of excluded from that kind of whole calculus. I think we have to broaden that. Three mana planeswalkers are always playable. To three mana mythic planeswalkers are always play- playable. You can say yes. Three mana rares are always playable or mostly playable too, because we had Sarkhan, but. Yeah. Anyways, no, that was uh, but Oko, th- my bad. Oko Thief of Crowns is one green blue for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker. Oko is plus two is create a food token. Yep. Uh, plus one is target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness three three. And for minus five shifter, so it makes sense. Yeah. Minus five exchange control of target artifact or creature you control with target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. So this is a three mana planeswalker that can stick on turn two and go to six loyalty. Which is hard. Have fun getting rid of that with damage. I had a I had a saw a tweet. It's like, yeah, I had five power on the board on turn three, and this was already at seven or eight loyalty. How do I deal with it? And I'm like, it's a good question. Hope you're playing black for planeswalker removal or yeah. bounce. <laughs> yeah, this is a card that I've been considering. Like I'm gonna be waffling back and forth on whether or not Oko is good enough for cube. I don't think he's better than like Nissa Steward of Elements in blue green. That said. Oko is an ultimate trump to show and tell decks. Like I cast show and tell, put Emrakul into play. Say go. You you play Oko plus one. Your Emrakul is now a three three. Yeah, that's true. But when you kill that three <laughs> three, it just shuffles back in. Yes, but Oko is a literally just a straight up stone stone cold answer to show and tell decks. But that's not yes, a here to show. Get wrecked. But yeah. it's a good card. Yeah. Hey, speaking of speaking of planeswalkers, though. <laughs> Speaking of three mana planeswalkers, the first double planeswalker, because it makes sense. Uh, we have the Royal Scions. They're a one blue red for legendary planeswalker Will and Rowan. This is the. It just uh, says Rowan, Will Kenrith Rowan, but. Will Kenrith. It just says Will yeah, Rowan. Will and but Rowan, but they, they couldn't it, sneak, sneak the and in there. That makes sense, anyways. Uh, they have a plus one, draw a card, then discard a card. They have another plus one. Target creature gets plus two, plus O, gains first strike and trample till end of turn, which is really nice. And then minus eight, draw four cards. When you do, the Royal Silence deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. Hey, so remember that Phoenix deck I was talking about? Yeah, it's yeah. playing two of these. Um, yeah. The, 
nothing like turning through a bunch of cantrips, getting a phoenix back, or hell, even having a phoenix on board, then slamming the royal scions down, giving it plus two plus a first strike trample, and your opponent has like an X one flyer. <laughs> Lol, yeah. got him. Four damage coming on through. Choo choo. Yep. Um, um. Plus the looting ability is just um, it, it pluses to six. If you're giving it plus two plus oh, it gets sick. Goes to six loyalty. If you're looting with it, draw a card, discard. You're going to six. You're three pluses away from ultimate in this card. If you can yeah. stick this and like keep it down, my god, draw four. At that point, like you're probably gonna at least deal four damage at minimum. Mm-hmm. And this deck is also pairing with a lot of other cantrip cards and draw spells. So, oh, it's it's so good. And plus, you're going to draw a card yeah. for the turn, so it's actually probably going to deal five damage. Yeah. If, if you're I smart have about considered, things. I have considered this for Storm, but as like a sideboard card, but I think it's just not enough. Unfortunately. No, why not? Um, so the middle plus one does nothing. The first plus one is like, okay, but my, all my three mana and greater spells do way more than just be a repeatable loot every turn. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, yeah. And then also... Yes, it can, it it passes the bolt test. You know, I I play it tick up, and you you have to use two cards to get rid of it. But you know, Tarmogoyfs can be five power by turn three. Um, there's there, and there's just a lot of efficient answers to it. Um, that makes me just kind of hesitant for specifically for Storm. Now there could be a deck that emerges where Royal Scions are very good in. Um, but the thing is, the abilities like this seems to be playing more towards a tempo game plan because like imagine you have a flipped delver in play you play royal science tick up i now have a five power attacking trampling first strike flying delver um you know it's, but, you know it's also fun what a five three first strike trampling manis rider <laughs> yeah fair or or you, i just don't or know what slap or he slapped trample and first strike onto a uh oh god what's the darn card uh dread horde Arcanist? sphinx the one that draws more cards per turn. Oh, consecrated? Yeah. Things? No. I'm thinking. I'm yeah. thinking Canlander here, baby. Get, sure. This sure. card That's is fair. going straight into my Jeskai Canlander deck. Yeah. Uh, downside: Royal Science does not protect themselves. Like Oko does protect himself a little bit by you know turning turning something into a three three, but you know Royal Scions, you know they don't protect themselves very well. They require your deck to be able to provide them further protection. But yeah, it's anyway. It's uh. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's yeah. It definitely requires you to have some other. It definitely requires help. Oh, there we go. But yes. it is a pretty good magic card if you're able to keep it yes. around. Next card is a card I only wanted to talk about because I was selfish and I wanted Gingerbread Tribal. Uh, but there's only one. <laughs> well, there's Gingerbread. Yeah, to be fair, this is, is a... seeing some aggro deck slots. But keep going. I play. I play Gingerbread combo in the play all. Have access to all of standard. All right, let's talk okay. about what it does. So Gingerbread is a one-mana, generic mana, artifact creature, food golem. Food is an artifact subtype, not a creature subtype. Um, it, it's a common, it's a 1-1 one, one with haste. You can pay one, and Gingerbread can't be blocked this turn except by creatures with haste, because you can't catch me, I'm the Gingerbread man. Uh, and then it has the generic food ability of pay two, tap, and sacrifice Gingerbread. You gain three life. Also, um, we haven't really talked about flavor text. A lot. I just want to call this one out because it says the unlabeled vial was not vanilla extract after all. It's so yeah. good. So good. Uh, the gingerbread combo deck, by the way, is a blue-white deck. Uh, you play a bunch of cantrip artifacts. 
and then you play Ginger Brute, and then you put all that glitters on it, which is a one and a white aura at common. The enchanted creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact and and artifact or artifact and enchantment you control. Uh, I have attacked with like a sixteen power Ginger Brute. It's great. My God, uh, deck's not good, but it was fun. <laughs> Uh, then, the, then the other not only good. artifact that it's not real green. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, but it's fun. Yeah. Uh, the other card I wanted to pull up was Sorcerer's Broom. Uh, it's a fun little artifact reference to Fantasia, and then the 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 inspiration, the original inspiration for Fantasia. It's a two mana two one artifact creature spirit, and whenever you sacrifice another permanent, you can pay three. If you do, make a copy of Sorcerer's Broom. Boom. It's going to be hard for that to get out of the out of hand, though. Yeah, we have fun people here, were people were ragging on, uh, like, oh, this is just Disney. It's like, no, actually, apparently that was the thing before Disney. But thanks, Fantasia. Either way, it's yeah. kind of cool to uh, if you start flooding out, you can start sacking your lands. Yeah, and then if you True. deal with one, oh, you got another one, and then you can make more if you have the mana. Yep, it's uh, pack wrap, but mm-hmm. not for discard. Yeah, so so we put at the bottom of here because they were all revealed the day we wrote the no- the show notes. Was the um, the rare castles? They're all really good. They're all going to see standard play. Some of them might even see modern play. Um, but I just want to go ahead and focus in on one of the common lands that I know Ian has had a lot of experience with. Yo, F some this frustrating man. experience with. <laughs> so F Ian, this land. you take it away. Take it away. Mystic Sanctuary is a bad magic card. It's broken. I hate it. Wizard, what were you thinking? Um, anyway, Mystic Sanctuary is a land island. That's right. It has the island subtype. It's a common. It says. But, but that's just strictly better. It taps for blue. Anyway, Mystic Sanctuary enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more islands. Whatever. Other islands. Yeah. Three or more other islands, yeah. So whenever Mystic Sanctuary enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target instant or sorcery card from graveyard on top of your library. I mentioned this was a common. Mm-hmm. It's a common? Yeah. What's wrong with the that? The current bane of Pauper right now is a Jeskai Blink deck that's running a bunch of islands in Astrolabes. You can just... Yeah, but... It's running Ephemerate as well. You rebuy your flickers. <laughs> you can flicker this to rebuy your flicker. It's gross. But it's how dumb. do you flicker it? There's, 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 there's only like one or two flicker cards that flicker lands. Ghostly flicker, my dude. Oh, right. Targets two things, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it says the popper, says the popper Tron player. What's up? Anyway, the thing that really has me steamed about this stupid card is fetch lands. <laughs> and legacy. But fetch lands, fetch lands are already good enough in legacy. They don't need more help. Look, I don't know why, but they did it. And it's got me irked okay (laughs) mini rant uh it feels really bad having to fight your way through if you follow me on twitter you've already seen this rant but fighting your way through seven dang swords to plowshares is not fun like i get it impromptu seething song snapcaster ian Ian rants for two hours on mystic sanctuary no i'm not i don't have that long of a rant but no like i had to fight the same swords to plowshares three times the initial cast the Mystic Sanctuary put it back on top of your library, then recasting it, and then casting the same one out of the graveyard with a Snapcaster Mage. I had to, f- and this was in one game that I fought seven of them. One against Blue White Control with Legacy Infect. It was dumb. I hated it. I didn't like it. It was not fun. But also, there are other colors that do this too, but it's not nearly as bad. The red one enters, if it enters untapped, you create a 1 1 red creature token. Like, really? 
The power level between creating a 1-1 creature token and putting an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library is just like 50 miles apart. Two things. The closest, one, the closest thing, two, even two, closest, is Witch's Cottage, the black one, when it enters the battlefield untapped. I mean, it has the same land, swamp, common. Enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three more other swamps. I had a couple of these in my pre-release deck, which was kind of nice because when it enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. Hey, guess what? Mono black controls a thing. This is great for rebuying a Gary that just got killed. That's going to be fun thing to fight through as well. The white one puts a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. The green one creates a food token. Like, what? You have, like, blue as, like, S tier. Witch's Cottage is a B. Idyllic Grange is maybe a C minus. And then other ones are just, like, whatever. Oh, my God, I made a 1-1 dwarf token, or I made a food. Man, God damn it, wizards. <laughs> so you you already mentioned what one of the things I was going to mention. So here's the other thing. Whenever there's been a land cycle like this, the red one has always gotten shafted. Oh, yeah. Always gotten shafted. For example, Talarian Academy, Sarah's Sanctum, Gaia's Sanctum, or Gaia's Cradle, all like S++ tier lands. Black one was Phyrexian Tower, which is like a B, and then there's Shivan Gorge. I couldn't even tell you what Shivan Gorge does. It taps for colorless, and then it's like two and a red, tap it, deal one damage to a player. Yeah, who cares? But, John, the thing is, yeah. though, is those are not fetchable lands. <laughs> also true. These are fetchable lands at common that are spell yes. lands. What the hell? Yes. yes. You are correct. Oh my... G- I mean, to be fair, thank God Fable Passage has basic land card on it. Because I yeah. swear to God, if we could fetch these up in standard, I would hate life. I will say that the rare, of the rare land cycle, the black one is probably the worst one. Um, white one makes a 1-1 one, one for 4 mana. Uh, the green one is th- 4 mana tap, makes 6 green. You can only use it to cast creatures or activate abilities of creatures. Cough Primeval Titan mana. Uh, yeah. The red one is a, is a mini, um, is a one red red tap. Your creatures get plus one plus O. Oh, and then the blue one is two blue blue tap scry two. It's a, the blue uh, the one blue, is great. I love the blue yeah. one. The black one is one black black tap, draw a card, then you lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. Um, yeah, the, so which is why I think the black one is the worst of them. The black one, you, um, the black one can really nug you for a lot of damage. The problem is, is that you just need to do that when you've run your hand out of spells and then just hit yourself yes. for one. But, Which means you're not activating it every turn like the other ones. You could theoretically activate every turn. But anyway, the one we talked about that kind of pings you for one. Huh? Which one? The we talked about it earlier this episode. The land. It was the oh right, Lockmere Serpent. An activated ability on Lockmere Serpent is technically better than this land, I think. Yeah, because it's it's gain a life draw card. Yeah, it's ding, it's one sack, one black sack. It's a black sack of swamp. You can sacrifice the witch's cottage, kids. Hey, um, you gain a life draw card. Like that's an abstract. A little worse, but also a little better. Especially how many cards you have in hand. Like I don't know, whatever. Because your control deck. I don't think. I don't think. Ca- I don't think the black one, Castle Lockthwain, goes in the same deck as Lockmere Serpent. Oh heck no! It's completely different strategies that are looking for that. But yeah, no. Meanwhile, Mystic Sanctuary is just bad. <laughs> I mean, it's actually really. It's it's bad in that it's really good, and I hate it's it. Fr- it's frankly very strong. But yeah, it's. Oh, there's there's. Oh God, why? <laughs> And there's one other land that I'm really excited about that I'm happy to see. Tournament Grounds. Oh, yeah. That's one I alluded to. It's the uh, yeah. It's the uncommon uh, gold land, I guess you can call it, because it taps for colorless. Or you can tap it for a red, a white, or a black. Spend this mana only to cast a knight or equipment spell. So, again, the theme for uh, Mardu color in this set was knights and equipment. So, 
I mean, there's knights in other colors. It's just that a lot of the knight tribal stuff is in black, red, and white. Yeah. Um. There's what's it? There's the two blue blue knight. Can't think of her name right now. We talked about her last. Well, week. there's a, there's an uncommon knight in every. Um, yeah, Sarah Lenora. Um. Yeah. Then what's the green one? Who is it? No, oh, he's like a noble. green. He's like a GG for like a two two or something. Oh yeah, Sir Farron the Hengehammer, two two for two. Whenever he, it's a green green two two. Whenever he attacks another target creature, gets plus two plus two. Where it's until end of turn, where X is Sir Farron's power, so it just pumps two. Yep. Well, it pumps another. It pumps another creature too when he's also attacking. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like unless you get him swole. Yeah, you know, you put some pants on him or something like that. But either way, exactly. I digress. Mystic Sanctuary. That stupid card. <laughs> um, I hate it. <laughs> I haven't played with Limited in this set. I, I meant to try to get to the pre-release, but unfortunately, work was a little crazy for me. I was really tired. Um, but I'm excited to play with a couple of these cards. I'm excited to draft the set a little bit. I, I will um, tell you this. This is absolutely... I mean, This is my personal experience. Um, I had two of the... Uh, oh boy, what's the, the rare... Doom Foretold. I had two Doom Foretold. I had... <laughs> that was my... Uh, pack foil or no the uh that was the box foil and i got a regular rare one um that card is probably gonna be funny and constructed uh i can tell you what i was ahead on board i had like seven permanents my opponent had three i had double doom foretold out and somehow ended up having to sack both doom foretolds and my opponent had four things on the battlefield and i had none so oh no yeah variance it's a hell of a thing um oh, watch out for no. doom foretold it could be potentially a trap if you don't have the right deck for it uh oh, no. yeah it was bad i just kept blanking on like lands and i hit lands and spells and didn't hit creatures and they kept and they stole one of my creatures with the piper so that took two permits away from me for a turn because it had a sword on it it was bad yeah um that said though uh this set definitely feels like it's going to be fun for draft limb or sealed and there's a lot of synergies with a lot of things um outside of my my black and white my my red was i just didn't even look at it because literally it was one one drop and then nine two drops and that was it no my curve yeah it was a wall oh by the way of those nine or ten cards three of them were fling so <laughs> i think the oh, fling. i think the highest power card in my pool was the beanstalk giant which would technically be a seven seven it was not great. Um, and then my blue is kind of pulling the three different directions. Blue wants to pull between mill, between um, oh god, what what are the other ones it wants to do? Uh, they're, they're, oh, they draw they draw, draw off a couple of cards a turn one, yeah. And it was also looking at um, bouncing stuff. I had a couple bounce spells, so it was just like eh. oh, non creatures, the non creatures thing, yeah, the non human. Yeah. So I had like a couple non human cares about non humans, a couple draw spells and this but nothing was really i had like a lot of the payoffs but no setups or the setup cards but no payoff so blue didn't really help and then black and white was just good green was i probably could have played black green but yeah i'd rather see this card i'd rather see this set drafted it'd probably be way yeah. better that way i'm also excited to get some of these cards in for the cube um i think there's like the adventure cards i think are just insane in cube just the uh so much value all in one card well, also, value of the foils are ridiculous, too. That, too. Uh, the full art foils and the... Uh, Showcase foils. Uh, the alt art adventure cards are casting a hefty premium right now if they're foil. So I think that the prices are a little inflated right oh, now, but we'll see. I think they're definitely inflated. 
I don't know. I was willing to pay 150 for a foil borderless Garrick. That's way more money than I would be willing to spend on the magic card. That's not. Yeah, I don't sure. know. That's understandable. I, think the, most, I, I anyway. think the most I ever spent was like 150 on a Tarmogoyf back in the day. <laughs> back in my day. 2015. Now you can get a Tarmogoyf for 40 bucks. Yeah, basically. Oof. How the yep. mighty have Anyways, fallen. I, Anywho. I, I think that's going to do it for us this week. We finished up talking about Throne of Eldraine. Let us know. Uh, what cards you're excited about from the new set for whether it's, you know, standard, modern, can lander, commander, whatever it is, uh, give us a shout out and let us know what you're excited about for the new set. Uh, Ian, if you wanted to find you on social media or in Philadelphia this weekend, where can they do so? Hey, you guys can find me in at SCG Philly this weekend at the Valley Forge, con- uh, not the convention center. I'm sorry. I'm so used to hearing some stuff back when I used to live in the area. He's like, at the Valley Forge Convention Center this weekend, Monster Truck Rally. Um, that actually was the thing, by the way. Uh, of course it was. Yeah. Monster Truck Rally, Valley Forge Convention Center, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, no, it's at the Valley Forge Casino and Resort Hotel in the basement. Sounds weird, but it's kind of nice. I've already talked about it before. But see me there this weekend. You can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. I've also been streaming this week. Well, last week I streamed once or twice. I'm probably going to stream once or twice more this week. Probably not Wednesday because uh, I've got paper... Um, I might just go play Paper Legacy on Wednesday. I might stream on Thursday night and then possibly Friday night before I drive up. I'm going to be just doing the last bit of testing with uh, Team or Delver that I can. Uh, I might actually go stream right after that we stop recording. Probably won't, though. Um, you know, got to get to bed and work out in the morning. Yay, Army. Uh, anyway, also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dix, D-I-X. John, where can they find you? Yes. You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can also hit me up on... You can also find me on Twitch at the same username. If you see me in a Twitch chat, don't hesitate to say hi. Uh, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so in one of two ways. You can either hit us up on Twitter at Eyes in the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.